Welcome to part two of episode number 45 with Bonnie Trichel, where we continue our discussion on fiduciary trends uh, that are happening in the marketplace. Um, let's briefly talk about, um, I think we all have secure act fatigue, um, uh, but one of the things as we were planning uh, ahead of, of uh, uh, the episode was, you mentioned something about this idea of a partnership wheel, which I thought was really, really interesting. And so we're not going to talk about the technicalities of Secure Act 2.0, but more from like an implementation framework and this idea of aligning with the right partners. Maybe talk about kind of um, uh, your kind of philosophy uh, as far as uh, as far as that goes and what advisors should really be um, thinking about, you know, not from maybe the technical perspective, but more from the strategic. Yeah, absolutely. And I think um, when I think about the partnership wheel, right, this applies um, not only to advisors, but this applies to anyone. It's really about thinking about who's in your network, right? Who's in your wheel? And it's this idea that if you apply it to Secure 2.0 or you apply it to any piece of an advisor's business um, for the Secure 2.0 context, it's impossible to think that an advisor should know all 92 provisions of Secure 2.0, right? Um, it's really impossible to think that anyone would be an expert in all 92 provisions, advisor or otherwise. So the idea really is who is in your network that you can call on for the different areas of Secure 2.0? So if you're really a retirement plan expert, you don't need to know the financial planning aspects and you don't need to know the longevity aspects and be an expert at all of those. But what you do need to do is make sure that when you think about your wheel and as that applies to your plan sponsor clients, that you can kind of think through who's in that wheel for each of those clients. And hopefully your wheel doesn't look different for every client because that wouldn't be efficient, right? So what you really want is one core wheel that applies to really all of your clients. And I think, you know, Josh, that goes to even a lot of what, what you do and what you help people with is really being more efficient, being more scalable through technology. But it's, you know, who is the record keeper for a large portion of your business? Who is, you know, if you're working with a TPA or, you know, when you think of like payroll and, and kind of that integration, obviously your clients are going to have a lot of different payroll, but who's a payroll expert you can call on to help when you have questions? Um, you know, you want to be thinking about those different partners. No worries. New laptop. <laughs> but you want to be thinking about the different partners in your wheel so that you can really be that first line of communication to your client and able to call on the people in your wheel and then funnel that communication back out to your plan sponsor to help them understand hey, here's how you can go and really put in place your implementation plan for Secure 2.0. Because it's really about figuring out what's the timing of these provisions, which ones do you have to do versus which ones are permissive, and which ones actually apply to your plan, and then forming your, your implementation plan and communication plan around that. And that partner wheel is going to help you execute on that. Yeah, the, 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 what's coming to mind when you're talking about that, and I love the concept, is it's really about kind of curating your bench of partners, if yep. you will. Like in a lot of ways as the advisor, and we, we talked about this before we started to record is, you know, your job in many ways for your clients. And when you think about client experience is 
because you typically as an advisor are most likely sitting in that first chair next to the plan sponsor is think of yourself as like the general contractor. There are going to be certain things where you're also, you know, an in-house subcontractor where you're going to do the work, but there are also going to be things that are outside your area of expertise or specialty. You don't have to be the expert and quite, in fact, in some ways, you know, uh, if if you don't really know your stuff, you could be creating, you know, liability for yourself and for your clients. But if you can think about, like, who are the subs that I work with, you know, whether that's a record keeper, a TPA, an ERISA attorney, an auditor, um, whatever that looks like, consultants, you know, let me curate kind of my bench, my team that I can then as the general contractor, when I know this is the job that needs to be done. I can bring in the right partner and you don't have to have in some ways to your point, as you said, you know, you don't need eight ERISA attorneys that you work with. You don't need 30 record keepers. If anything, that actually can be detrimental um, because it creates way too much complexity. You're probably not going to get dedicated resources and focus. I know where we went two years ago is, we probably had 20 plus record keepers we worked with, but 80% of our clients were probably with six or seven or eight record keepers. Um, and the benefit of that, and, and not every record keeper in every market segment, um, uh, you know, was the same because not every record keeper either wants to go after every market segment or are good in every market segment. Um, but we knew how to source. It was really the key for us was like, Hey, we've vetted, we're doing this, you know, we're doing this sourcing and bringing in, you know, the right partner with the right set of tools when the job requires it. And I think that's in some ways what you're talking about, that partnership wheel, um, you know, reduce complexity for yourself so you can scale and then reduce complexity for your clients as well. And in some cases, you know, record keepers, as an example, have been you know, pouring in more and more resources and support for advisors who they develop good relationships with. And, and that can actually have really, you know, really intangible benefits for clients. We, um, uh, we had a, a, a record keeper we had a lot of plans with that did, that did payroll and they probably wouldn't, you know, be the first record keeper you'd think of for 401k. But for whatever reason, we had gotten a lot of clients that had used them and we got dedicated resources. And I'll tell you where this really helped was when clients would have a payroll issue, which happened on a regular basis, we had uh, enough sway with the record keeper that we could go to an executive level and say, hey, like you need to throw some resources on the payroll side. They're caught in, you know, call center hell right now. Like you need to get them out of there because it's going to put your payroll relationship at rate at risk. And if that's at risk, the retirement plan is going to be at risk. And, and in a lot of cases, you know, we were able to get support for clients outside the scope of what we did. And clients appreciated the fact that we could be an advocate for them. I have no idea how payroll works, but we were able to source and leverage our relationship to benefit our clients and, and advisors, you should really start to think about that because that's how you build goodwill with your client relationships. You become more of just the 401k advisor. You become more of a trusted business partner. So that would just be my two cents on the, uh, on the topic. 
Josh, you're exactly right. And, you know, the pushback I've had from a few advisors is like, well, is that really still meeting my fiduciary standard or my fiduciary duty by, you know, limiting the universe of partners and that they could work with? And it's not that you're limiting the partners that or vendors that they can work with, but by presenting basically that by going with certain vendors, you as the advisor can bring better service to them. You know, they can still work with other folks, but this is the benefit of working with vendor A, B, and C because of these things. To your point, you can get better client service, which is a benefit for the client. And you can really develop trusted relationships between, you know, advisor and provider partner, right? Which can lead to better referral networks back and forth. And so it really just can be good both for the client and for the advisor. And not to mention, it just helps you to scale your business, which means you'll be more effective both for the client and for other clients. Absolutely. And and, and we worked with every, we were agnostic around record keeper. Um, you know, we, we, we never went into a new engagement. It was like, hey, unless the client, quite frankly, was like, this relationship is so broken, it's never recovering and we need to move this plan. Um, you know, our kind of MO was, well, let us come in and see if we can make things better. But again, over time, you know, if there was an opportunity where we went out to RFP, we were aligning with partners that we knew gave us, and, and quite frankly, those partners changed over time. Some, you know, there was a, a, a not, I'll, I'll leave the record keeper unnamed, like they were really good for a few years and then, some internal things changed, some strategic priorities changed. Um, you know, they started to uh, um, reduce the level of service. They started to overload their RMs. And, and we wound up pivoting away where we, you know, five years before had a really strong relationship that we started to migrate away because the service level for our clients had started to drop. So it's what I think what you're saying is you, 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 um, it doesn't mean you can't work with everyone. It's just you're making smart decisions for your clients and for your business based on, you know, the partners that you know are going to perform well. And when they do, that's great. And when they don't, as a good partner, you probably should have an honest conversation with them, give them a chance to kind of work it out. But if they don't, prudence would suggest, okay, now we need to, you know, we need to look kind of elsewhere and whatnot. Absolutely. So, um, you know, as we wrap up, um, and this is this, this. I just I love talking to you, Bonnie. But um, let's just talk a little bit about like startup journey and about some of the specific things that 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 you do because you 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 um, you have a lot of arrows in your quiver, whether it's from a, a and being able to support advisors, whether that's from a compliance standpoint or from a legal standpoint or from a consulting standpoint or from a content um, standpoint. Talk a little bit about. Um, uh, how you can help, you know, how you can, this is a commercial for you. How can you help advisors? What are some of the things that you're doing? And what are some of the lessons you've learned um, uh, just in, I think this is your third, uh, uh, your third startup. What, what, um, what are some of the lessons you've learned over the years and, and how are you applying those with, um, with Endeavor and then also with, um, uh, with the law firm that you, you, you recently started as well? Yeah, well, um, thanks again for the opportunity to be here and to share my story. Um, same, you know, I really enjoy chatting with you and I think we have a lot of value alignment. So it, it's fun to have the conversation. Um, in terms of what we can help advisors with, um, you know, our, our primary goal is really to help 
advisors with everything that they would need to run their business successfully. So we can work through other channels to support an advisor. So as I've mentioned, you know, we work with, with Napa and, and with Broadridge FI360, and we've worked with, with record keepers and asset managers, but our goal is to support advisors with everything. I think that term is like soup to nuts, right? So we can help them with, um, their compliance. We have a law firm that can help them with their legal. So if they need help with their agreements, their policies and procedures, um, their content development for service, um, you know, we know there's other great opportunities in the marketplace for their, their marketing. And so we refer out for that piece of it. Um, and we don't do the technology piece of it, right? So there's others, you know, like Josh, you know, that we would refer to you for the technology piece of it. Um, but we can really help support them with their practice management, their compliance, their legal, and the actual content that they would need to go out and service their retirement plan of business in an effective and an efficient manner. Um, in terms of the lessons I've learned, you know, oh gosh, there's, we could do a whole nother hour on the lessons that we've learned and, and you and I could probably chat about that. Um, I think one that jumps out at me is, you know, I think I had mentioned to you that Sherry Fitz had a, a thing on LinkedIn recently about 10 things she had learned um, from the past 10 years, I think, um, and I might be misquoting that, but one of them was failure is just the beginning. And I think, you know, that's been something really hard for me to, to grapple with, um, you know, as you're mentioning the idea of, you know, this is my third startup company. And so when you look at that, it's like those failures are hard, but at the same time, they're really all just on that path to like tweaking and getting it right along the way. And so I think this has been a good opportunity to look at where is really my place in the market to and going back to what you said earlier in the conversation about, you know, my job is to arm advisors with what they need to go out and service their clients. And that is really where I feel like I've found my fit in the marketplace. So it's getting okay with those failures and, and then using them to really take that next step. And that's been a really helpful thing for me to learn as I've transitioned into this business. Yeah, I, I love that. And then we, you know, we, I think, uh, when we spoke earlier, there was a lot, a lot of alignment. I know for me, what is it's and and failure's hard, um, but you know, there's a difference between failure and failing. Um, uh, and you know, I, I know what served me well, um, both when I had my advisory firm, and now you know, kind of reinventing myself and on the technology side is, you know, I try to run things as a series of experiments. Everything I do, I have a hypothesis, uh, I come up with a way to to test it and I'm willing to run these experiments even to see if they fail. Um, but the key for me, and I think advisors would be smart. A lot of times advisors are very fearful about making a mistake mm -hmm. or failing, uh, which is an unreasonable burden to put on yourself. Um, but I think the key is you want to fail uh, fast and you want to fail forward um, within the technology world. And I've adopted this when you build technology. Um, it used to be back in the day, you would like build this huge product. And now it's, it's the way software gets developed now is this really kind of build, test, validate, right? You, you build a new feature, you test it, you find out if it works or not, you validate that. Um, if it doesn't work, you pivot. If it does, you lean into that. And that would be probably my best advice for advisors is don't be afraid to fail. Um, give both yourself and people on your team permission 
to fail, but make sure that when you're failing, you're failing forward, right? You're not going backwards and make sure that you fail quickly, that you fail fast and that you take those lessons, like Bonnie, like you said, that you take those lessons and you apply them, you know, um, uh, you know, in kind of your next endeavor. Um, there's, there's a great quote by Thomas Watson, who was CEO of IBM, I think in the forties, maybe the thirties, uh, IBM Watson's named after him. And, uh, I carry this quote around. He said that if you want to double your rate of success, the key is to double your rate of failure. Um, failure is not something to fear. It's something to embrace and just make sure that you're learning from that. And then you're applying those lessons as you move forward. So uh, I think you and I are very aligned in that. And, you know, the startup journey is it's scary at times and it's exhilarating. Uh, it's exhilarating at times. And, um, you know, I think history is littered with uh, with entrepreneurs like you who, um, you know, they, they talk about Thomas. I think it's Thomas Edison, right, that that uh, when he finally invented the light bulb, like he done it like 10,000 times and he had said that, you know, I didn't fail 10,000 times. I just learned, you know, 10,000 ways not to make a light bulb. And so um, I feel a real kindredness with you uh, in that and with with uh, with where you are. And I'm just super excited for you and for your success. And and, um, you know, as we look for ways potentially to partner as well, because I think there's tremendous value that um, that you can bring to uh, to advisors and, and certainly advisors that I have the privilege of supporting. So. Um, so anyways, any closing thoughts? Uh, 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 what would be your best piece of advice to advisors that are, uh, that are listening? Yeah, great question. So I think, you know, in closing, I would say, first and foremost, thank you so much for having me. Um, you know, as, as you mentioned, I really feel like, uh, you know, there's this just kindred spirit between us. And so I'm just really feeling a sense of gratitude for being able to have the conversation today. Um, but in terms of closing uh, advice or comments for listeners, uh, we, we talked about this briefly before we hopped on and we didn't have time to dig into it, but there's this thing going around LinkedIn right now about um, the way to do marketing. And there's this kind of like, uh, you know, no, you've got to do cold calling. No, you've got to create content. And I think my parting words would just be like, find your fit and do what makes you happy, what brings you joy. And by just doing what makes you happy and brings you joy, the success will follow. And success can take a lot of different um, forms or shapes, but, um, you know, it's your success. So just do what works for you. Wise words, wise words. Well, Bonnie, this has been a treat. I've enjoyed it. Uh, I think uh, listeners uh, are going to glean a lot of insights uh, from you. So thanks so much for being on the show. And uh, uh, this was awesome. I'm grateful as well. Thanks for listening to episode number 45 of the Fiduciary You podcast with Bonnie Treichel. If you're a retirement plan advisor that wants to drive growth, scale, efficiency, and repeatability across your practice, and you haven't checked out Fiduciary X yet, head over to www.fiduciaryworks.com and book a demo. You'll be glad you did. We've got over 60 advisory practices around the country using the platform now. And we've also lost a tremendous amount of functionality over the last several months, and the platform is just on fire. Also, if you've got questions you'd like me to answer, topics you'd like me to discuss, guests you think would be a good fit for the show, or any other feedback, I'd love to hear from you. And if you want an easy way to support the show, I'd really appreciate you leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It's the best way to help people find the show, and I read each one. Until next time, 
Thanks again for listening to the Fiduciary You podcast.